welcome to Temple of Health Radio Show. This is Dr. Susan Kolb, and today I'm pleased to have back as my guest, Dr. David Lowe. Today we're going to be continuing our conversation about dreams and dream work and um, how uh, dream work can help you on your spiritual path. Welcome, David. Hey, welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. So, um, would you like to give your website uh, at the beginning of this and maybe a little bit about your book? Sure, David Lowe, MSPhD.com. That is M- uh, no E on the name, David Lowe, L O W, MSPhD.com. Yeah, I, uh, I quit teaching three years ago to write. I, I kind of had a big epiphany to write a book, which ended up being called Universal Spiritual Philosophy and Practice. Uh, the notion universal spirituality. Now, there, there, there is this common understanding out there that you know there's you know, the family of man, respect for all voices. There's something we all have in common, but the notion of you know bring it into the whole spirituality vocabulary and flesh out exactly what it is that all the religions and all the philosophies have in common, in terms of practices as well as underlying doctrine, and condensed into 200 pages with with pictures and word balloons and everything to, to make it more readable. Yeah, spirituality textbook, basically. So um, we've been uh, interviewing for a while now on dreams and dream interpretation. Um, Would you like to uh, tell the audience why dream work and dream interpretation can help you with spiritual growth? Yeah, it's so, you know, dreams are the one thing we all have in common by way of the most common way we can all access higher reality. And they exist. I mean, we all know. We've all heard about how dreams, at at least for some people, so you think, uh, transmit important messages about their fate, what they should do, getting warnings about things, inspiration for, 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 for future careers, that sort of thing. But everybody gets those messages, believe it or not. We just have to pay attention to them. So just the awareness that we all have that faculty. Uh, those we, we all have psychic faculties which are always scanning higher reality for easier ways we can go about doing things. We just need to pay attention. Um, <clears throat> so they are the oh really the universal way we all have pretty much all have to uh, increase and enhance our individual spiritualities. Yeah, they're out there. So when somebody um, works with you on dream work, what is what are what do they go through? What is it like? Well, the first thing I do is get information from them about, there are basically four different things I do. First, information so I can get to know the person. Dreams are very, very personal. Basic demographics, family configuration, career stuff, health issues, and of course, what's going on with them right now? What does their mind dwell on? I mean, more so than anything else, dreams address that question. Um, Then we do the dream. I'll have them tell the dream in the present tense. We kind of enter dream space over the phone, in person or whatever. Um, Then I need to look at it myself for a little bit. Ideally, it's written and sent to me ahead of time. But if I only get it on the spot in the session, I will hang up. I spend 10 minutes looking looking at it myself before calling the person back. And things, things just begin to click for me in terms of what, the overall meaning will probably tend to be. So I call the person back, and then we basically lead the client through a process of him or her getting their own understanding of what the meaning is. And that's pretty much usually what I think it's kind of going to be, but not always, not always. Um, 
after that, there's kind of an ethical check-in. I want to be sure that they think it's their meaning and not the meaning which, which I have suggested to them. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, a plan of action. Are there any new things in their life, new understandings, new practical things that they, sh- that, that, um, they might do based on this new understanding about what the dream is telling them? So, yeah, a whole session. It usually goes for an hour, hour and a half once you really get into a long dream. Um, because there's all sorts of levels to fathoming what it's trying to say. And um, that's just the, um, the discursive um, intellectual level. The emotional body level is not really that available through phone. It can start to happen through Skype, but in person it can be very powerful, which is direct resolution of, of, of feeling emotional issues. Yeah, so lots of things you can do with dreams, lots of stuff. So, um, dream symbolism, uh, do people have, when somebody dreams of a snake or somebody dreams of a spider, is, is that the same throughout everybody or is it personalized? There, it's always personalized. You know, symbols have very, very profound meanings. The thing to understand here is that, you know, symbol, dreams come to us and express through a universal language of metaphor and symbol. So um, the serpent is probably the single most profound animal symbol from um, the, the animal kingdom, suggestive of all kinds of things, good and bad. But it's going to vary with each person. I mean, someone from Kansas has a different set of associations with fish than someone from an Alaskan fishing fleet who, who, who goes out every, every day and fishes for them, even though they both know what the word fish refers to. And so it is with, with, with pretty much any major symbol. It's going to have a different meaning for, for, for different people. So it's completely personalized. Um, you can get some guidance through online stuff, dream dictionaries and so forth. That can get you started. But the precise way, it, but the precise way in which the symbol works into the message meant for that individual dreamer is more difficult to discern. But, yeah, so folks like me can help. In that in that endeavor, <clears throat> is there like with a spider? Is there a general um, a meaning that you can attribute to that? No, no, um, okay. no, really, not much more to the with the serpent. Uh, like the spider, it's suggestive mm-hmm. of both danger and wisdom. It's suggestive of both, you know, of both uh, something nefarious going in ten different directions. And of wisdom, the, the the multi the multi-armed god deities and so forth, doing doing everything at once in the universe, um, it would vary tr- tremendously. But of course, they are regarded for for the most part as you know, creatures with suggestive of sort of instinctual forces, poison, repulsiveness, all that sort of thing. But not always, not always. You know, serpents are often thought that way by people, but quite often in dreams, serpents refer to very good, very good and auspicious things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it it varies so much with the individual. It really does. So, um, Carl Jung was um, someone who had a lot of things to say about dreams and where they came from. Um, what what was he trying to tell us about the unconscious? He Jung is responsible. His his importance cannot be overstated. He was the one who found, who discovered, if you will, the systematics behind all dreams, the notions of of the collective unconscious, 
of, of universal archetypes. That provided the basis for understanding dreams in a systematic way. And um, these days he's taken for granted by all of us who do dream work, um, and we've built upon his basic ideas. But he is foundationally important in dream work. And um, I don't remember what what your question was. I don't think I quite answered your question. <laughs> oh, just where, what he had to say about where dreams came from and what, you know, what they were, I guess. That's interesting because he insisted on, he insisted throughout his life for the most part that he was a scientist and a very empirically Mm -hmm. oriented scientist. So he was reluctant always to talk about the notion of God or deity, but he clearly had great respect for spirituality, even though he himself was always very, you know, very psychologically oriented in his vocabulary. He clearly Mm -hmm. believed in a higher wisdom or reality of some kind, which Mm -hmm. inhabited our inner lives and existed in some wider sense of the universe. So I I can't, uh, the the quaternity, the transcendent function were a couple of his ideas which which relate to that higher reality. Um, Yeah, so he he did acknowledge some transcendent, quote-unquote, supernatural source, even though he was very insistent on we can understand these things scientifically, even quantitatively in, in a sense. But, yeah, he was a paradoxical guy, which is, which is the way to be when it comes to dream work. Yeah. So um, the, what was the unconscious? What was that um, concept? Well, you know, the, it's interesting. The unconscious and the subconscious are two different things that cross over. Um, you know, mm-hmm. hard-nosed mainstream empirical empirically oriented psychologists don't believe in the subconscious because because it implies the notion that we all have individual um, subconscious notions um, which reflect you know backgrounds into previous lifetimes they just they just um, acknowledge the conscious and the unconscious the unconscious the unconscious being everything that that we've had since birth the notion of the subconscious brings into introduces the idea that 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 we have memories and and material from previous lifetimes or um, from 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 pre-birth trauma that sort of thing. So yeah, the, the sure. unconscious is just the unconscious. It's, it's it's like a very general concept, and they kind of leave it at that. At least the mainstream folks do. So the unconscious would be like how we, um, all the things that occur, like our heart beating and our guts working and all of our nervous system working. We don't have to make it work. It just works on its own. Well, yeah. I mean, the unconscious refers to all the stuff which you've, which you've stuffed into your quote-unquote unconscious memories and so forth, which can come up and, and be traumatic, cause you to have Freudian slips, all that sort of thing. And yeah, mm-hmm. it does refer to, you know, the the um, the uh, triune brain theory, the reptilian brain, and so forth, which does keep everything running through 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 um, the autonomic nervous system. It does refer mm-hmm. to into deeper instinctual realities. Um, in mainstream psychology, of course, those are pretty much scientifically understood to be, you know, function in animals in in us as well as in animals. But in 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 a new age, more, more, um, more spiritual 
interpretations of dream work, those 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 uh, animal levels of our being are acknowledged to have been you know transmitted down to us through you know, evolution. Jung thought that as well. We do have mm-hmm. genetic memory going all the way back to being fish and before, um, and those are transmitted through our instincts. Yeah. So the unconscious varies in terms of how it's understood um, from psychologist to psychologist, depending upon their spiritual orientation or mm-hmm. or lack thereof. So how do you see dreams um, working for us on the spiritual level? Dreams are the product of psychic faculties we all have, and they're always scanning higher reality, way, way, way beneath the radar, super subconsciously. And they pick up interferences, things which are going to be more difficult for us two weeks down the line in our job, our relationships, or whatever. And they report mm-hmm. back to us in dreams. Okay, so those faculties, you know, fifth, sixth dimension, they, they transcend time and space. They're always looking out there for stuff that could interfere with our ideal growth and unfolding. And, you know, I mean, most people who, who don't pay attention to it, that's fine. But if you don't pay attention to your dreams, your life will turn out okay in, in, in like in in the normal course of events. But we can get happier sooner and more fulfilled sooner if we pay attention to them. And that means, you know, we, we, we need to, um, you know, uh, acknowledge that higher dimension of our being and pay attention to it. So, yeah, that they do, um, there is a mechanics to how dreams work. There are higher planes of reality and there are higher dimensions and there are specific as um, frequencies, uh, if you will, of um, supernatural paranormal perception, which we all are in touch with on some level, however subconsciously. We, ch- we choose or choose not to pay attention to it. Yeah, so they do function in, in, that, in that dimension of our being. So can you give us an example from your own experience of how dreams pick up information across space and time? Sure. I mean, one one very common uh, uh, um, a, a, a dream I had years ago um, involved anger over a room. Now, what happened was I was I was um, um, rooming with somebody in the house, and we were both very busy. We passed each other like ships in the night at night and in the morning. Um, and one day I had a dream of him just just the whole dream consisted of him just being extremely angry, looking at me with tremendous anger and resentment. Um, mm-hmm. I said, what's going on? So I stop in the middle of the day one day, and we, we just started talking about stuff. And it turned out he, he had a lot of stuff to unload that he was going through. He needed to talk more or less therapeutically, although in an informal way, to somebody about everything that was, um, mm-hmm. that was happening to him at the time. So that, that's, um, um, that's a very simple example. Um, mm-hmm. I've been warned about things, tipped off about things. Uh, informed about things on innumerable occasions to my benefit through dreams, and you know, future. So I remember one time. It's so funny, but you know, the, God must have wanted me to have a good credit rating, because I mean, this is like years ago when I was living in Decatur, close to where you are. Um, mm-hmm. after, after I had some surgery done, about three months afterwards, um, there was a bill that I forgot to pay. So I had mm-hmm. a dream one night. I said, a, a good customer always pays. That was a whole dream. So I dug back through my stuff and found a bill that I hadn't paid yet. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really interesting. <clears throat> they will tip you off about stuff. 
But for that to happen, you need to develop a dialogue with them and to express interest in that dimension of, 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 of your spirituality. Yeah, so all kinds so of stuff. So how do you do that? You do that primarily by just, I mean, one, take a greater interest in your spirituality overall. And, you know, just, um, and two, uh, go get a book on dreams and read it. I'm expressing interest in dreams and expressing interest in your overall greater spirituality. You start mm-hmm. new initiatives in both those areas. Uh, put a journal by our bed. If you actually do things with your body, you know, you're putting God on notice. Hey, I'm interested. Um, mm-hmm. you, please give me some material to work with. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, um, there, there are things we can do with dreams, but we really have to express an interest. We have to, uh, you know, do our part in accessing what they, what they have to tell us. So um, what do you recommend for people who say they don't dream at all? I would, well, <clears throat> pretty much just that. I mean, really be interested in dreams. Um, you just have to you know, get, get, get your diary, um, start reading stuff, um, do things to get yourself out of your comfort zone in real life. Do things which will get some thoughts and feelings circling around in there. You know, um, talk to things, talk to loved ones about challenging topics which you've been meaning to do. Um, do something with uh, at your work, which is which is maybe a bit risky. Um, talk to old friends that you haven't talked to in 20 years. Do anything. Uh, try something physically dangerous that maybe can't really hurt you, like I'm a roller coaster or something like that. Water skiing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever can get some thoughts and feelings moving around in there will help to jumpstart your dream life. As in addition to meditating more often or whatever and being interested in dreams. Yeah, so do stuff to get some thoughts and feelings moving around in your head. That always works. So, so you recommend writing the dream down as soon as you wake up? If you can. I mean, so some people don't have time. It can take a half hour to write a long dream down. Who has that kind of time, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, three or four bullet points of major scenes, major objects or statements or people you saw in the dream. And um, we'll 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 bring it all back later. Usually, but I mean, you know, the powers that be, God, self, whatever, realize that we don't have time to remember, write down all this stuff. Some of us do, most of us don't. So if we just, you know, just jot down a few things. I mean, if, if you have ten minutes a day to do dream work, then maybe three times a week, devote fifteen minutes to writing stuff down, thinking about what the heck it's trying to tell you, and just, you know. Answering, writing, write, writing down your frustrations and questions back to God. You know, you have to sort of develop mm-hmm. that dialogue, keep it going, keep that, keep that conversation, that line of conversation open between you and the powers that be up there. Um, and you will, you things will, be, and you don't. A real important thing to understand. I mean, folks like me can help, but um, at some level, we do understand them what the dreams are saying. You know, one more thing people can do um, that all, that's really always worked for me, especially. Um, <clears throat> when you have a dream, you don't want to get up and disturb your wife or whatever to write it down. You can rehearse it six or seven times in your head, the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again. That will imprint it into longer-term memory, and it'll be with you in the morning when you wake up. 
So that that always that's always helped me in particular. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good idea. So um, there are common themes uh, like being undressed in public, flying, um, <clears throat> being late, going to the bathroom, that right. kind of thing. Um, can you talk about uh, in general what some of those things indicate? Yeah, there are. I call those common psychology dreams. <clears throat> if, if you have a dream like that, don't call me. Just go ahead and look it up online. It's no big deal. I mean, if, if you have a dream in which only that thing happens and nothing else, you just just, just look it up. Um, basically, you know, we all have experienced common psychological tensions growing up in the process of becoming more mature and achieving, you know, uh, achieving some status as an adult. We go through periods of insecurity. We, we, we go through periods of, uh, you know, whatever as we grow up. And those dreams just reflect stuff like that. Um, so being undressed in public, I mean, adults have these issues too, obviously. Being undressed in public, usually that refers to something like, you know, people are, are, people are, people are, people are understanding more about you than you would like them to understand. And your behavior mm-hmm. is kind of revealing that without you realizing it. That's usually something along those lines that's usually what that's about. Very common. Very common. Or, you know, falling. Just just being mm-hmm. out of control. Being at sea or kind of not knowing what you're doing. So if you have a dream in which you do a lot of falling frequently, um, you need to look at things and see kind of what's going on in your life that, that you really kind of don't have a good handle on. Maybe a project at work. Maybe your relationship's getting worse and worse without you realizing it. Maybe um, maybe there's some disease process happening even, which is slowly getting worse, being ignored. Now, usually it's something like, you know, relationships, your work, um, something like that is just getting out of control without you realizing it. And you need to kind of realize, step back and, and kind of see what's going on and what you could be keeping track of more effectively, basically. What about yeah, losing good, teeth? That's an interesting one because you know, we bear our teeth when we want to be aggressive and, and express anger and so forth. So, And, of course, mm-hmm. other animals do that. So we associate teeth with strength, with confidence, with power, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're losing teeth, which is a very frequent dream, it's usually around something like frustration over maybe something that you can't do as well anymore, losing capacities. Mm-hmm. Um, as an older adult, or just, just 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 anger or feeling impotent about something that you can't grab onto it and take care of it. Yeah, it's often like losing capacities or being not as good at something anymore and just having to face up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, losing your teeth, common dream. <laughs> what about being chased? Wow. Well, that's, a, um, that's invariably, that's some kind of responsibility or obligation or situation in your life, which you're not paying attention to. Um, mm-hmm. And there, it could be a zillion things. It could be, it could, often these things are purely psychological. It's something that there's an issue that you're not looking at, which if you don't, if it's like you keep not looking at, it's going to make you real unhappy six months down the line. It could be, you know, responsibility at work. It could be something in a relationship. It could be a you know, a mechanical issue with your car was going to break down, and which you kind of been in, been in the back of your mind the whole time. But often something just 
psychological in terms of an issue or a problem that you haven't dwelt that you haven't devoted thought to and which will blow up in your face two years from mm-hmm. now if you don't start thinking about it you know it's, it's mm-hmm. something that you have something that that, that, um, that you've been ignoring yeah yeah so any other oh. common things that you want to comment on oh gosh well um being chase um you know it's interesting people often have dreams well dying is a very important one to understand um, this is a good example I like to use to illustrate that dreams are usually not literal. Very rarely, they're usually always symbolic, rarely literal. Um, so when you dream of your boyfriend dying, your husband dying or something in a dream, right? Mm-hmm. It might refer to that he's going to die in real life, but probably not. 99%, 99.9% no, that's, that's not what it... It could mean that you're willing, that you should develop more self-reliance. So whether or not he dies on you, you'll still be able to take care of yourself more effectively than you can right now. It might mean that, but probably not. What it almost always means is that your own concept of the person um, is going to have to undergo a transformation. So that individual mm-hmm. will be surprising you, or you should give, maybe give that person more of the benefit of the doubt the, 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 than you have in the past or something like that. So your notion of what the individual is and what what he or she is capable of will be will will have to undergo some some revision, right? So it's it's always about transformation. It's usually about transformation, one phase to another of your spiritual life, of, of someone else, of your understanding of somebody. Um, um, if you yourself die, that's usually very auspicious. Um, that you will be undergoing some transformation to a greater level of happiness and fulfillment. Yeah, dying is yeah. a very important. I don't ever remember having a dream when I where I died. Yeah, well, um, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're on a spiritual path anyway, you don't need to be reminded of the fact that you know we always are best off as human beings, putting ourselves through transformation and being seekers and becoming one with one with God's self, mm-hmm. whichever way we do it. That's that. That is the endpoint and goal of human life, as I understand it. And constantly, I had, or I had an interest. I had an interesting dream where I, um, where I uh, fell, and I kept falling. You know, and because I'd read somewhere that if you keep falling, you'll die. You know, if you hit the ground, you'll die. But right. I didn't die. I just hurt like hell. Right. You know, all the things that I fall on, I, I don't hurt at all. I just, I just kind of dissolve into nothingness. You know, but yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I have heard of cases where, where, where people do physically hurt as a result of falling. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that's interesting. Um, you know, it's interesting how, well, people who do yoga, massage, they, they say that your issues are on your tissues. Your issues are on your tissues. So in some mm-hmm. sense, you know, the blocks and so forth that can be resolved by taking measures not to fall as much anymore are locked up in your arms or legs or whatever was hurting, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think know, I was just trying, uh, trying to see what it would happen if you did that. I'm just very yeah. curious sometimes, you know, just because I do a lot of dream work, as you know. So, I, I mean, in the dream, I do a lot of stuff, so. I just um, think I was trying to test the test that hypothesis. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> but it's interesting because, you know, if I was ever going to die, you would think I would die with that dream, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I guess what what, what I really want to tell people, what I think what people should really understand about dreams, maybe more so than anything else, is that you can get constructive messages, but you have mm-hmm. to be interested. You have to develop that dialogue. But, you know, over time, and it's, it's not like you have to meet a guru or anything. I mean, my own, personally, my my dream life was jump-started when I got my major spiritual initiation about 35 years ago from this sock guru, mm-hmm. right? Things just went through the roof. But I've, I've had people in my dream circles and so forth who have just as spectacular dream life as I ever did, who never met gurus or anything, who, who, who are not on any conscious spiritual path. Because, you know, life itself, of course, is becoming more and more difficult for various reasons, and that itself is humanity's spirituality. So people are being acquainted with the dream plane involuntarily, more so than in the past, I think. And we, we can get those messages. We just have to pay attention and be interested and develop that all-important dialogue through that faculty that most all of us have, which is our dreams. You know, I mean, people mm-hmm. don't like to pray, they don't like to meditate, they don't have time to go to rituals and visit gurus and so forth, but we all dream. So it's like, you know, there's no excuse not to not to be in some transformational trajectory them, yeah. in your right. life. Yeah, I think people don't realize how much information can be gotten out of dreams. I think they yeah. just sort of assume they're kind of jumbled and, you know, kind of rehashing a day or something, but... Yeah, there's, that's, that's there's interesting. There's different kinds that, of dreams, too. You know, right. There are so many. I mean, there are in the International Association for the Study of Dreams, International Association for the Study of Dreams. This is, it's probably the best-known, biggest dream group in the world. It, it, it is a mm-hmm. professional organization. Um, there, are still, there are some hard-nosed atheistic scientists who do believe that dreams have no meaning but who mm-hmm. work with them only biologically and neurologically. They, they investigate them on that level. But most of us, mm-hmm. pretty much nine out of ten of us in that group, are New Agers in the sense that right. you, know, you and I are. We do think that there's a strong spiritual component to dreams and that, and that they do mm-hmm. represent forays into higher reality. So most of us do believe that, but you know there are folks who are into the neurological theories, the cognitive theories, short-term, long-term memory, by-processing dreams. Mm-hmm. Dream, d- dreams are nothing but a byproduct of that. No meaning. Then there are the more psychodynamic theories, which which assume that dreams can only represent stuff from birth onwards, right? Then there are the mm-hmm. Jungians who believe in a more in kind of a more scientific understanding of stuff, of, of like pre-birth stuff, but not necessarily reincarnation. Then there are the new age spirituality folks, which is really most of us these days, thank goodness, who do acknowledge that, and who do acknowledge previous lifetimes, and and, 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 and who do acknowledge that we can clarify and work through issues mm-hmm. with previous lifetimes in dreams. It's difficult, right. but you can do it with, with enough interest. It can be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody who's had animals like cats and dogs know that they dream. Um, do other animals dream? Like do birds dream, or uh, do we, we have know any that evidence mammals, that I mean, I mean, strictly speaking, strictly speaking, I mean, everyone dreams every night, but that's only by brain waves, by you know, uh, 
electroencephalographic studies, if you wake up nine out of ten people who say that they never dream, they will remember right. having dreams. Right, remember. But, but yeah. Um, yeah, we know that um, other animals, of course, they can't tell us anything, but they do have very similar uh, brainwave profiles. Well, they look like they're dreaming, though. You know, they, yeah, oh, they, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they're moving, yeah. thrash, and so forth, um, mm. which is interesting because during, <clears throat> during REM sleep, which is when 80% of dreams happen, the body's paralyzed, as, as, as I guess you know. Mm-hmm. But there are other stages of sleep in which other dreams happen where, of course, you can move about and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, between between uh, the between the very similar sleep stages and brain and, and, and brainwave profiles and the fact that they move about in sleep, then other animals do dream. Yeah, absolutely. So there is that commonality we have with other species. And... Um, yeah, that's it's very it's a very relevant thing to bear in mind. Sure. So, do you, do you know much about sleepwalking? I used to sleepwalk all the time, according to my parents. I do know, as as of course you do as well, that sleep that's you know sleep medicine is an entirely separate field, and there are like seventy four different sleep disorders, <laughs> if you mm-hmm. can imagine. And of course, sleepwalking is, I suppose, I, I imagine there are many different kinds of sleepwalking, but that can be, you know, it's amazing what people do in sleepwalking. People That's have, what they said you know, to me. <laughs> it's astounding. I walk all around the house and do stuff. <laughs> it's astounding. I what, sleep you know, very um, soundly. They, that's what they said. I wonder if sleepwalking is a characteristic of people who sleep very, very soundly. It might be. I don't know. Because other people would wake up, you know. Yeah. That's a fascinating area, but there are so many. I wonder if 74, are you kidding? Yeah, there. the there are that many officially classified and understood mm-hmm. sleep disorders. And there's a whole variety, variety of treatments for them. So, yeah, I mean, sleepwalking is a fascinating area. And um, it obviously can involve dreaming um, in terms of those other stages of sleep aside from REM. I'm not mm-hmm. familiar with, with exactly how, but, you know, that's something which I would like to learn more about. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if, it, if REM sleep makes you paralyzed... Um... It could be a defect. This is my theory, anyway. It could be a defect in that because I've also had hypnagogic hallucinations. So, um, and definitely hypnagogic hallucinations are the failure during REM sleep to paralyze you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, uh, it, what's interesting is, I mean, there are all kinds of theories about REM sleep. Some some biologists think that it that REM sleep was primarily about keeping us still at night. So you know, mm-hmm. the predators wouldn't find us, that sort of thing. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's interesting that um, exactly what classifies or defines as a dream and not that is the IASD. At the IASD, we pretty much anything that happens at night um, can um, classify as a dream. Um, hypnagogic dreams, under un, under a very conservative understanding, wouldn't classify as dreams for some scientists, I think. But um, for most of us, they do, and that mm-hmm. uh, hypnagogic dreams are probably an area of the most crucial, important dreams that people have who are on a spiritual path. Um, well, they're certainly the happened. most scary dream I've ever had. I mean, it's it was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so, well, gosh, tell us about it. If it was that bad. Well, I was in college, 
and I was living in an apartment, and I was in my bedroom. It was, I mean, it was as if I was awake. And I heard the, it's always the same. I think I had it three times. I I heard the, um, the somebody come in through a window, okay? And it was on the second floor, so this wouldn't be easy. But I, somebody came in through a window that actually there was access to. And I kind of froze in fear, you know, how that goes. And then... As the person was approaching me, I couldn't see the person, but I could kind of feel. Then my own hands, my own hands came up and started strangling me. It was it was the same in all. It happened three times. And my mom was a child psychologist, and when I mm-hmm. told her, she just said, "Come home." That's all she said, "Come home." And I did. I, I lived about you know three hours away, and I just came home. Right. And then she just changed my environment, changed my you know the love of your mother, you know, and it broke right. it. So, um, yeah. but it was interesting. The psychologist I went to go see was my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your hands actually came up and touched your throat and, and began to constrict. And, yeah. Yeah. It was my hands, but they weren't under my control. But it, it, oh. that trigger, there was that trigger of the door of the window opening. You know, that was, it was the same thing all three times. Exactly. So someone did actually come in the room? No, no, I dreamed okay, it. Okay. Well, you know, I, yeah, it that, seemed like it seemed like it was real, but I, I never saw them. Yeah, well, of course. It was course, like somebody that, was trying to kill me, but it was my hands doing the strangling. Right. That would, well, I mean, my own, my own immediate analytical understanding says, okay, we all have our dark side, which isn't totally purified and so forth yet. We mm-hmm. all have the way that these dark sides externalize themselves. So that person coming in was some aspect of yourself, which is not... That then tried to kill un- me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, so, and so it energized the corresponding part inside you that wants to destroy mm-hmm. and take and, and um, take everything down. Wow. Boy. That's yeah, it's pretty... One. Well, it, it's the most... You know, I, I call it a dream, but it wasn't like a dream. I mean, it was like right. it was happening in reality. Um, and I don't know whether it really was or not. I mean, nobody observed me trying to strangle myself, so I don't right. know. Only, I mean, it might have just been only, a very vivid dream. Yeah, but, the, um, only hypnagogic, the only hypnagogic dream I had in which I, well, there was a time when I would force my eyes open to kind of see ordinary reality around me, you know, mm-hmm. just, just to be able to see and on one occasion, um, this demon externalized itself mm-hmm. with horns and everything right out in front of me in the dark. And um, it was scary. And I realized that <laughs> she had to go back. Was. Yeah, and, and I realized that this thing has to go back inside me. So mm-hmm. I closed my eyes, and it did. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's really, I was acquainted directly with the fact that, you know, we have mythopoetic uh, phenomena within us, which can only externalize in certain classically powerful forms to mm-hmm. represent what they represent, you know? So right. yeah, it's, it's very, those kinds of experiences will tend to happen if you get on a spiritual path and you're courageous about it and you're ready for those things to happen. And for some of us, they will happen. But I hasten to assure anyone listening that that sort of thing is highly unusual. Doesn't happen very often, no. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Thank God. 
I want to share an experience. I think I shared it on a previous show, but I think it's an important one. When I was in my spiritual development, um, the dream state was used to show me how consciousness is a projector of both ordinary reality and the dream reality. So I would, um, I rapidly went, maybe you know, just like a, a hat, uh, thirty seconds. I would go into the dream reality. And then I would come back to the center point, which was outside of any reality. Then I would go into regular reality, you know, like uh, the third dimension we live in. Then I'd come back, and then I'd go into the dream reality. I did that about five times. And I really understood from that exercise that consciousness is a proje- projects into these different realities. You know, th- these realities really don't exist. I mean, it, it may right. be hard for people to understand that, but we project as a hologram the physical reality, the dream reality, and probably other realities um, that, like, we experience in near-death experiences and stuff like that. But it's consciousness projecting it rather than it's actually there. Yeah, that's really the, the, the astounding, mind-blowing, radical truth about about enlightenment. You know, the notion that yeah. we each comprise an entire universe, and that, that at the same time the universe is, in some sense, you know, independent of us. But it really, you know, this is the physical reality is only the primary dream in the mind of God, right? Right. And if if we are to believe quantum physics and so forth, then there are trillions of realities out there. But yeah, the, 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 the notion that, I mean, Robert Wagner, probably the best known lucid, has written the best book on lucid dreaming as far as I'm concerned. Probably mm-hmm. the most eminent lucid dreamer in the country. Um, he had an experience where he woke back up in about six or about seven or eight realities before coming back to the normal one. Mm-hmm. And that was frightening for him. Am I, am I ever going to get back? You know, and that is one reason why some people who experience lucid dreaming, they're afraid to do anything because, you know, um, they have the notion that, you know, uh, the dream dream itself is on the sacred message and and I shouldn't mess with it. Mm -hmm. And there's also issues with, with like humility around God, you know, don't do anything, don't be uppity and so forth. But I think most of us realize who to do this kind of work realize you know, we were given our intelligence for a reason, and that we co-create our realities. So we must do our part in understanding stuff, and that means taking initiative. But there are some folks who are very paranoid about that, out of humility for God and just the notion that also the idea that, that um, they might not be able to come back. You know, that that's something which also bothers some people, I think. But they will. <laughs> they will. Yeah, I don't I don't um have that thought that you can't get back. Um you know, some people don't want to do out of body work because of that too. But as long as you're alive, you'll get back, you know. Uh, now if somebody yeah. kills you while you're out of body you won't, but you know, that at least you didn't experience somebody killing you, you know, that, that occurred without you actually being there, which would be good. But, um, but I think that it, I think people do get back. I, I, I don't think, I think they have the fear of not getting back and that can delay right. them. But uh, I don't think right. anybody actually loses that cord of um, energy, that energetic cord. So you can't get back in your body. And sometimes you come slamming back into your body, as you know, it's yeah. like, it can be, it can be, a little uncomfortable if you don't slow down before you 
inner. I've never had that experience, but I'll buy it. Yeah, whammo, come back in too fast. It can be uncomfortable, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people describe that, that they, and I've had that experience. So. I think, well, one thing to get folks to understand about dreams is that the whole notion that, that you know, that there is this universal language of symbol and metaphor, that, that, that it is, in fact, universal it's hard for a lot of people to fathom. There are a lot, you know, people in social sciences, psychologists, and many psychologists mm-hmm. don't believe, don't subscribe to, you know, the theory of universal archetypes, eh? and nor, right. yeah. nor to the collective unconscious, which are foundational mm-hmm. to understanding anything in dream work. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's like blasé, obvious, a given. You know, it's like one plus one is two as far as, as far as we're concerned. But you know, <clears throat> the thing that maybe the best way to explain it is to say that. We all share a common primordial perception of reality before our minds do anything with our cultural conditioning, our individual languages, and so forth. We all share the basic perceptual reality. So we all know what cooking is. We all know what clouds are. We all know what sex is. We all know what rocks are. So there is a, a you know common world, a basic world, if you will, that we all share. Right. That's the material that dream symbolism works with. So in that sense, in that sense, we can understand how there is indeed a universal language, which is employed in dreaming. Yeah. So it is universal. Yeah. It does cross all cultures, all levels of literacy. It doesn't depend on literacy or anything like that, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's all leading it us to the Makes you wonder if animals remember their dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, and there's no question in some sense they do integrate all their dream experiences because, mm-hmm. you know, they reincarnate them from one form to another. So, yeah, it's interesting, interesting question. It's amazing the level of intelligence that some animals have been shown to have in recent years. Like crows can remember faces five years later, human faces, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Unbelievable. Yeah. And also animals that pass on come back to us in our dreams and communicate stuff to us. It can be very important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's 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 lucid dreaming for the animal, probably. You know, if, I mean, yeah, if that's a real, if that's a real thing, that I mean, a prophetic type dream with the well, animal coming you know, back. That's one thing which people have been. I think I mentioned before, people mm-hmm. have been beginning to do. It's it's, it's being studied. People are. People are, you know, doing their own empirical studies with, you know, what's called mutual dreaming. So people mm-hmm. agree ahead of time to agree in a certain to meet in a certain time or a certain place. When they mm-hmm. meet there, they do things that they don't tell the other person that they're going to do. Then they right. get together later and, and check on it all. And there have right. been yeah. instances of people coming together and indeed remembering each other, doing certain yeah. things. And yeah, I, so I sure believe that in that scenario that um, you can group dream, because I've done it before, and um, that it probably happens more often than we know. Um, the question is, does it always happen? I mean, if you dream of your uh, of your co-worker, you know, is, is that really a group dream that your co-worker just might not remember? Right, right. I, I, I think for the most part, they are they are they, they, um, I mean, in insofar as in general, in general, everything in a dream is part of the dreamer, you know. And mm-hmm. the whole thing about the whole dilemma behind a visitation dream 
you know, I mean, for the most part, in my, I think in most people's experience, in my experience anyway, when I dream of my parents or whatever, they're just mm-hmm. symbols. But if yeah. there's, but if there is an emotional power, if there is something meaningful, emotionally meaningful in that experience connected with, connected with the person, then it is mm-hmm. a sincere visitation dream. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just your projection. Or if it's person's... a prophetic dream, you know, if it's a really important dream. It probably is a visitation, yeah. You know, if they yeah. give you a piece of information that is important, you know, like a warning or something, you know, it's yeah. important for your safety. It probably was a visitation, especially if they're deceased. You know, the I think the deceased animals and, and humans are more often to give us visitations and warnings because they love us and they want, you know, they don't want us to go into danger. So Yeah. One thing that, to bear in mind about, dreams is that most of I mean probably three out of four of us in in, in of the dreamwork community agree with Jeremy Taylor's first first um, first axiom and he pretty much laid the groundwork for mystical common sense and dreamwork one of his mm-hmm. his most controversial principle is the notion that all dreams um, come to the dreamer for essentially benevolent reasons and seek to communicate something positive, some message or something which the dreamer can find valuable. Um, I believe that. Most, I think that's true. Well, you know, there's a whole issue with you know, command hallucinations and psychiatry or, you know, uh, hypnagogic experiences, which can be very difficult. But um, I do think that that's true. And insofar as that's true, all dreams are to some extent prophetic but I think you can mm-hmm. do the category of prophetic dreams if, if, if we do want to separate the category of prophetic dreams and really powerful archetypal dreams which have mm-hmm. a definite message uh, but which is often completely completely impersonal so mm-hmm. an archetypal dream is always it always has a message but that message is always totally impersonal mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. does happen to apply to you but it's totally impersonal you know, uh, but I guess a normal prophetic dream would have a personal relevance. Yeah. And I've had a well, gazillion com- of them. Well, we're coming ahead, up on start. the end of our hour. Would you like to give your contact information again? Sure, sure. David Lowe, L-O-W, MS, Masters of Science, MSPhD.com. Um, David at WorldSpirituality.com is is, is uh, the email. That's easy to remember. Now, look at the website. I'm out there. And if I can help anyone with dreams, let me know. It's cool. It's fun to do. Oh, great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Maybe on our next interview we can talk about lucid dreaming. Yeah, sure, sure. Thank you, Susan. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, this is Dr. Susan Cobb with Temple of Health Radio Show. Next week we'll have Paul Selleck on, The Book of Truth, The Master Trilogy, Part 2. Join us next week. Thank you very much.